class. Hello and welcome, people of the world. Have a seat. Stop drinking that monster energy drink. Kyle, I'm your substitute teacher. My name is Mr. Kautzman. Today, we're going to be talking about Parlor definitely being conservative. I saw it with my own eyes. The administration doesn't want me to talk about it, but we'll do it anyway. LinkedIn in-mail prices. How much does it cost to use LinkedIn? Policing live streams. How do these social media behemoths possibly police what people are saying on a live stream? McPlant is a meatless burger. We're going to look at that. And a Google grant requirements. You want $10,000 from Google? Well, stay tuned. We'll talk about how you get it. Hey, guess what? Class begins now. Oh, yeah. Yep. Class is in session. 10.30 a.m. specific standard time <laughs> every single day. Um, parlor, definitely conservative. So I, in my infinite wisdom, decided that I should go to Parlor and actually take a look for myself and see whether or not this particular social media platform is conservative. Uh, as you can see on the right, if you're listening on the podcast, I'll explain it. We've got Greg Gutfield. Gutfeld. He's a uh, conservative Fox guy. We've got Kaylee McEnany, uh, the Hodge twins. They're very conservative. Stephen Crowder, very conservative. Um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it's right to the right, politically speaking. Uh, the conservative Latina, also someone I'm supposed to follow. Um, I was immediately hit with a ton of conservative voices the second I logged on. So, for all those people that are saying, you know what, Parler is just a free speech platform. Okay, fine. Um, except that every single person I'm being asked to follow is uh, very conservative, which again is something that I thought was going to happen. I am not at all surprised um, that uh, Parler went from 500,000 to 4 million users in this election cycle. What Twitter and Facebook have been doing have been making conservatives very upset. And so they're leaving in droves. Um, from an ad perspective, this is really important because if you are one of the few advertisers to go onto Parler in the early days, you might do quite well. Um, I actually looked up um, how many uh, entrepreneurs and business owners um, are Republican. A survey released by the National Small Business Association found that 39% of small business owners are affiliated with the Republican Party, 22% with the Democratic Party, and 29% consider themselves independents. So huge slice of the pie consider themselves conservative when it comes to entrepreneurship and business ownership. So if you want to get ahead of the curve, uh, Parler is something that you need to um, ruminate on. So from NBCNews.com, I'm going to read from that article. As Twitter labeled tweet after tweet from President Donald Trump in recent days, some conservatives decided they'd, have en they'd had enough. Trump needs to get active on Parler. They won't censor him there. So obviously censorship, the main concern. So long Twitter friends exiting all big techs and switching to Parler wrote another. And there's plenty more uh, of folks on the right that feel this way. So while the survey suggests, um, okay. And so many of them joined Parler, a Twitter-like social media platform that has for two years been a minor destination for conservative politicians and media figures. Like other social media apps, Parler has a feed of posts to scroll through to me. 
it more look, looks like Facebook than it does Twitter. Uh, posts can be up to a thousand characters and they can include links and photos. It's funny to me because the core of what Facebook is, which is which is people sharing memes and video and text, that's not all that impressive. Um, there's a big to do about how technologically advanced Facebook is, but a lot of that is just to sell ads. You know, so a great deal of what makes Facebook great is simply, you know, the feed. And yes, their algorithm might show you some interesting stuff, but it's not all that impressive in 2020. So it's not surprising to me that Parler quickly just creates something like it and says, you know, we're not going to sell your data. Um, and that appeals obviously to conservatives. Back to the article, Parler is surging. It sits atop the charts of app stores, boosted in large part by supporters who agree with Trump's decision to continue fighting the results of the election in the courts and on the internet. Twitter declined to comment on the growth. And while Parler is far from the first social media platform to cater to users who feel that policies regulating hate speech, harassment, and disinformation have gone too far, its embrace by prominent conservatives and its sudden influx of users hint at a once informal online dynamic that has recently become more official, the blue internet and the red internet. Um, this really only felt like a matter of time to me. Um, and while social media companies have traditionally boasted about growth, the emergence of an alternative platform like Parler comes at what might be considered an opportune time for the platform um, it's meant to replace. So basically, um, I would say that the rapid growth in Parler um, is an opportunity for advertisers to get in um, at uh, the inception of something. Um, now, the fact that it is currently uh, basically a Republican uh, safe space, yes, I know that sounds silly, um, is is only its current iteration. Um, I think a lot of folks are going to be leaving Facebook. A lot of folks left Facebook already, um, and they're going to wind up in places like Parler. So uh, put it on your radar. Um, we may in future episodes be taking a look at uh, the advertising options on Parler that you may want to consider. Um, if you are vehemently opposed to the even even the concept of something like Parler, uh, then you know don't go there, don't use it. But um, if you are interested in reaching that particular demographic, it might be something where you can take advantage early in the game. So LinkedIn in-mail prices. So if you want to send direct in-mails to folks, how much do those cost on LinkedIn? This according to business2community.com. LinkedIn in-mail is a messaging feature available for premium LinkedIn accounts that allows users to send messages to people they do not currently have a connection with on the platform. This feature is essentially an extension of the standard private message feature. However, if you have a free or basic account, you won't be able to send in-mail messages, but you can receive them. Check this out. Look at how expensive this is. You've received these before. Look at what people are paying LinkedIn to get into your in-mail mailbox. For a premium LinkedIn career account, $29.99 a month for five in-mails each month. Ouch. It's over five bucks. That's crazy. Premium LinkedIn business account, $47.99 for 15 in-mails. LinkedIn Sales Navigator, 80 bucks a month for 20 in-mails each month. So the next time you receive an in-mail in, uh, in your box, uh, you got to wonder, wow, how much did somebody uh, spend for this? The in-mail credit rolls over each month, which means that any unused credit can be used up to three months later. Users can also receive in-mail credits for an in-mail message that gets a response within 90 days. So you want to reach the CEO of Coke? You know, can you imagine how many in-mails they get or a VP? You can, um, but uh, it's a little spendy. 
little spendy. Um, so B2B, there are some applications here. B2C, not really, but kind of. Um, I would argue that uh, if you're looking for that big meeting um, or maybe you've already met them and you lost their card, <laughs> there are some instances where this makes some sense or you just simply cannot get to the person that you want to get to. Um, this is a very sort of put your sales hat on tactic um, that is costly. So this is a live stream, obviously. Um, thank you to everyone who's hitting the like button, by the way. Um, and if someone were to come into this live stream, hear some of the words I'm saying and make a decision about whether or not it should get shut down, um, demonetized, etc., that to me is a technologically difficult itch issue to address. Um, so policing live streams, um, NPR.org writes, as unproven theories and rumors multiplied online during the election, major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Google-owned YouTube, took more aggressive action than ever before to limit the reach of unsubstantiated or false claims that could undermine confidence in the democratic process. So let's say, for example, um, there are certain keywords that the algorithm could pick up on and certain key phrases that they could pick up on. It's not difficult for um, the machines to understand the words that we're saying, but what specific combination of words is required to get banned on a live stream? That's where this gets a little dicey. So one area that's become increasingly worrisome, according to the article, to misinformation researchers is live streamed videos, often posted by conservative influencers like Weaver. Quote, this is where the content moderation frontier is right now, said Renee DeResta, a misinformation researcher at Stanford. In the months leading up to the election, platforms have taken down violent content, made misleading posts less visible, and added warning labels to false claims. Those are all tools DeResta noted that are nearly impossible to apply in real-time video. So I have seen folks on the right, like Steven Crowder, what they'll do is they'll put a little box in the lower right-hand corner of some CNN broadcast of you know Biden speaking or whatever. And uh, what ends up happening is uh, they feel like they have to be constantly be talking because if the machine, if the AI picks up on the fact that it's playing that other copyrighted video, it'll auto shut down. So that's one of the ways that they get shut down. Uh, the other way is simply that, you know, NBC and, you know, Viacom and these sort of folks know that he does this on the regular. And so they'll go in and, and they'll shut it down um, with a kind of direct attack, you could say. Um, to be fair, um, Crowder is using information um, that's available to the internet, but is probably copyrighted. Um, and so there you go. So back to the article, live videos attract a lot of viewers, but are hard to scrutinize. The platforms have learned, have leaned into live video in a bid to keep people's attention longer. It's promoted over other types of video. Users who subscribe to a video channel often get push notifications when someone they follow has launched a live stream. But experts say the stream often occupy an ambiguous zone. So there you have it. Um, the policing of live streams is uh, going to get much better in the future. It's still relatively, um, I don't want to say relatively rare. It's become much more popular in the pandemic as people are looking for ways to speak publicly, reach their audience. Um, one of the pieces of the puzzle, if you are considering getting into live streaming, is you got to have a great upload speed. So don't think you can just have a mediocre internet and all of a sudden you're live streaming. It's not how it works. Um, and from an advertising perspective, obviously live streams are a big, big deal. Um, YouTube video creation is very saturated. Uh, there's still some space in the live stream world. 
And as we mentioned earlier, places like Parler um, and these sort of um, new social media platforms, TikTok, Parler, etc., there are always new um, venues cropping up that you can take advantage of. Uh, live streaming is one of the skills that I highly recommend you practice. So McPlant Meatless Burger. Uh, I grew up with McDonald's ads, as I'm sure you did too. Um, I am happy to see that uh, McDonald's has finally moved forward on the plant-based revolution. This from adage.com. Wendy's old slogan, where's the beef, can now apply to McDonald's. McDonald's is arriving to the meatless patty party with its own plant-based product, fittingly called McPlant. The quick service restaurant worked with Beyond Meat to create the new patty. They're fighting against Burger King, which uh, made a deal with Impossible Burger. I eat a lot of veggie burgers, um, and so swinging by Burger King is... uh, kind of one of the the magnets uh, when it comes to fast food. Del Taco has some meatless option, but I thought it was pretty gross. Um, the burger at uh, Burger King's pretty good. So if you uh, want to reduce your meat consumption, um, good for McDonald's. Um, just the very fact that uh, they're going to push this um, is uh, it's a pretty big deal given their reach. And uh, Esther Sass writes, finally, veggies unite. I'm for it. Hashtag vegan. Google grant requirements. So if you are a nonprofit and you're interested in making $10,000 that has to be applied to Google ads, well, here is how you do it. Google.com forward slash grants. Imagine you could do what you could do with $10,000 of, uh, you know, United States currency. In in kind advertising every month from Google Ads, every month, geez, an online advertising solution from Google. You could recruit more volunteers, attract more donors, and share your story with audiences all over the globe. So to qualify for Google Grants, you have to apply to Google for nonprofits. The organization must hold a valid charity status, um, acknowledge and agree to Google's required certifications regarding non-discrimination and donation receipt and use, have a high-quality website that meets the ad grants website policy and get approved through the ad grants pre-qualification process. I know um, quite a few folks that have gone through this process and do have it. um, So it is entirely possible. So if you know a nonprofit uh, that does not currently have the Google grant, you may want to let them know if you are uh, involved in a nonprofit, it's a pretty big deal. So um, to summarize, Parler is definitely conservative based on everything I saw yesterday popping onto the platform kind of poking around a little bit, getting a sense. Um, even if you find yourself politically very on the left, um, you should be aware of Parler as a potentially interesting advertising avenue. Um, if you are, for example, trying to reach out to business owners, this sort of thing. So um, will this mean that Facebook and Twitter lean even more to the left? Uh, we will see. Um, I think a lot of folks would judge Facebook and Twitter as being pretty centrist. Um, and there's a lot of folks that would see Facebook and Twitter as being like uh, unbelievably to the left. It just depends on your perspective and the news that you are consuming on the daily. Uh, Parler, um, I had a gentleman comment yesterday saying that it's not Facebook for conservatives. He wrote, it is Facebook for people that don't want their data sold and their privacy violated. I think both can be true at the same time. I think it can be a place uh, where folks don't want their data sold and privacy violated and a place that is predominantly filled with conservative voices. There are, of course, liberals on Parler, but I think um, if the current situation is any indication of the future, uh, it's going to be a largely conservative platform, which, again, is fine. People should be able to get together um, and voice um, their opinions, thoughts, and the facts that are most important to them. 
So LinkedIn in-mail prices, that's a little pricey. Again, it's uh, 20, well, let's say 30 bucks a month for five in-mails, 48 bucks a month for 15 or 80 for 20. It's, uh, it's not cheap. Um, so if you want to go about LinkedIn in-mail advertising, be aware of that. Uh, live stream policing, it's going to um, continue to be an issue um, for uh, pundits and folks that are um, attempting to sway political ideologies. Um, they're going to get uh, banned and all that sort of stuff. But right now, it's still kind of the Wild West. It's easy for a lot of these folks to fly under the radar and simply get away with it for now. Uh, swing by McDonald's and get a McPlant burger because, uh, you know, hashtag vegetarian. Google grant requirements. If you know anyone in the nonprofit space that wants 10 Gs from Google, well, now you know. Uh, thanks for swinging on by the show today, class. Leave a comment. Email us, info at senditrising.com. Give us a call, 702-263-0141. You can download the podcast after the fact if you want to listen in your car. You can do that. Spotify, iTunes, and everything else. Uh, Yep. So that's the show for today, and we will see you tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Marketing is foreign language. Class dismissed.